What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 51 of the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero, and with me, as always, is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Well, I'm just getting ready for the regular season, ready for games to actually count again, especially after the way the last season went. It's kind of like, you know, we didn't really get a good season, so... I was more jacked up for that first preseason game on Saturday night than I have been for a 49ers game. God, I don't even know. Maybe since before the Bills game last season. That's really the last time I kind of got the juices flowing. Yeah, the Bills game uh, juices stopped flowing pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it did not turn out well for me. Um, if you haven't done so already, I want to remind everybody to follow the Niners Nation podcast network. You'll get this show. You'll get our daily 49ers update every weekday morning to keep you up to date. I promise you we'll make it worth your while. If you're new to this show, this is the show where I act like a human being and actually get excited about things. And Levin Black acts like the human wet blanket that he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one way to put it. Not quite the way I described it when you asked my opinion prior to us recording. But uh, yeah, if you want to put it that way, I guess uh, that's your prerogative. I do want to put it that way. What exactly is a wet blanket? A wet blanket. You know, it's somebody that ruins a good time. How is a regular blanket a good time? Well, it keeps you warm. A wet blanket would make you cold. It'd be the opposite of what you want. Are you unfamiliar with blankets? Uh, no, I'm just giving you a hard time because wet blanket, the phrase, has never quite made sense. Well, take it up with, I don't know, whoever the <laughs> hell came up with it. Um, before we get started, I did come across something today that like took up way more of my time than it should have. But I wanted to ask you about it. I found it on Reddit. Someone asked if a battle royale happened between every president in history, who do you think would win? Now, there's a couple caveats here. It's the president at the age he was when he left office. So you're not getting, you know, super young, hip, cool president. You're getting the tired, older president that's leaving office. You're not getting, you know, like George Washington when he was in, you know, closer to his prime, you're getting old George Washington just wanted to go home. Uh, I, I think there's a really obvious answer. And I, I'm trying to make sure there's no other contenders. And I can't think of one, but it's got to be Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, when he was in office, he would still disappear for months to go hunting <laughs> in North Dakota in the middle of nowhere. And literally uh, where I happen to live in North Dakota, his uh, there's a national park around it, Teddy Roosevelt National Park. And the cabin is still there. And it was like literally just this little tiny one-room cabin in the middle of the Badlands. The wall president he would disappear to to go hunting buffalo and all kinds of other things. Like, how are you going to beat that dude? Wow, that is impressive. But I, someone in the Reddit thread said that while he was president, Teddy Roosevelt would box people. And apparently he got hit in the, in the eye so hard that he lost sight in one eye. So if you're giving me a one-eyed Teddy Roosevelt, like that, that's different, you know. Like a lot of our presidents have military training. Uh, Lincoln was apparently like a really good wrestler. I don't know, man. I I don't know if I give it to Teddy right away. Yeah. See, the only other one that popped in my head, and it, it's because of once again proximity to him, was William Henry Harrison because he was a younger president, if I'm not mistaken, and he was literally a war general. Like he fought the the Native Americans in the area that I grew up. Uh, there's a famous battle there um, that he was part of, and he was the Indiana uh, territorial governor or whatever his official title was back in the day. 
but that's how he rose to prominence. So he was an actual guy out there doing it. And then he was a young president. But I, I don't know, because he was kind of a spoiled brat sometimes, too. And he literally died because he got sick at his inauguration because he refused to wear a jacket in the middle of January. Like, that's right. how that's how he died. He, he got pneumonia from refusing to wear a jacket. So it's not like he's the smartest guy. But I can't think of another obvious one. Yeah, he was the shortest serving president in history. He took office March 4th. He was dead April 4th. So that tells you exactly what uh, what happened with William Henry Harrison. He was actually 68 when he was inaugurated, which really? at the time was the oldest person who assumed the presidency. I so, thought he was younger. So Get your Harrison facts straight, Levin. <laughs> I would bet that there we just don't know the presidents well enough. And there's some president out there that was some kind of like, well, actually, that's a good one, too. What about Ford? He was a football star. Right. A lineman football star at that. There's that. I mean, Ulysses S. Grant was literally the general of the Union forces in the Civil War. There's there's some contenders there. And anyway, it took up a huge amount of my time. You told me you were a history buff before we started, so I thought I would run it past you. Um, Speaking of history, do do you remember what your history for today? I looked it up to confirm. Oh, man. You know what's weird? Certain numbers flash in my mind. Like when I think of 51 with the 49ers, I know this is terrible. I think of Takeo Spikes. Like, is that is that terrible? No, I mean, he, he was a good player and a pretty prominent player when he played for us. But no, it, it's not about our episode number. You, you don't know the history, do you? Is it your birthday? Uh, no, it's our birthday. What do you mean, our birthday? Oh, that's right. Wait a minute. No, it's August uh, 18th. We yeah. oh, Wasn't our first show August 12th? Yeah. So this is the first time recording since we hit a year. Oh. Well, this would real. be our anniversary show. I mean, you're trying to say I forgot our anniversary? Well, you never said anything, so <laughs> now you got to buy me flowers. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Yeah, oh, God, a year of shows. Think of yeah. where we were a year ago today at this time, right? We were all pumped up. It was going to be the revenge tour. This was the year Jimmy Garoppolo was really going to take a big jump forward now because it was his second full year in Kyle's system. Like, th- man, in 367 days or some odd days, we have it has been a journey. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. It's been a journey. Mostly bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from the injuries to the defeats that came out of nowhere, to Jimmy completely crumbling, if we're going to be honest. Like, yeah, he was injured, but he also crumbled. I mean, and and then it it kind of, the tide turned here with the draft. The excitement of trading up and the excitement of what, what the future holds. We're just in this limbo period of when is the future now? I think that's the period we're in. When is the future going to be the present? Well, and the question becomes, are is this real or are we sort of, you know, standing on pillars of sand like we kind of were going into the 2020 season? Because we were pretty positive then, just like I feel really good about things now. And we saw how 2020 turned out. So do you think this is more real than the hype we had coming in last year? Uh, coming into last year? No, because I thought that team was for real and injuries derailed them. And I think mm-hmm. we're in the same situation. Injuries yeah. can certainly derail us, but we're one of the best teams when healthy. Um, I just hope it, it, it's not the you know 2015 or so range where we thought, hey, we could still be a contender. And, and no, no, <laughs> we <laughs> definitely <cannot>. weren't. <laughs> um, so we are going to do two things on this show. We're going to answer two questions for you today. 
first question is, who is the player whose reports have got you most excited to see? So in other words, the person you've been reading about where you're kind of starting to buy in a little bit and you're really excited to see this year, not just this week, but just this year in general. And the second question is, what unit will you be watching closest in the game against the Chargers this weekend? Um, uh, let's start with question one. I have a feeling your guy is going to be the same as my guy, but I have not looked at your list. You haven't looked at mine. So who is the guy, the biggest guy that you are most anxious to see this year? I think the obvious answer is Brandon Ayuk, just because I, I predicted he's going to have the most receiving yards since uh, what Terrell Owens, I think I went back to on that one. Cause I thought he would surpass anything Crabtree or, or Bolden did, but really I, I more assume that's going to happen. So I'm not, I, I've seen him on the field and I think he's the real deal. So I'm not as giddy, I would say to see him. It, it's really right now for me, at least is Juwan Jennings. Like I want mm. to see this guy in real action. I want to see what he is and if he's for real, because I've never seen uh, him really on the field. And I think he could be really good. And I'm assuming that we're taking Lance out of this discussion because he's yeah. obviously the biggest one. Right. Uh, I agree with you on Juwan Jennings completely. Like he is, looks like the player that I think Kyle was hoping that Jalen Hurd would turn into, right? Just like a strong physical player, really good after the catch. I mean, what did Kyle Shanahan say the other day? He said that uh, Jennings plays basically like his hair is on fire and that the other receivers could learn a lot from that. And I, that's Kyle Shanahan saying that. He doesn't hand out compliments often, Levin. He hands out compliments like Amazon hands out bathroom breaks. So that's a big deal for him to say that. Yeah, and I, I think with the way he plays, especially after the catch, I wonder if Kyle Shanahan sees a little bit of the Pierre Garçon, which was the first big signing of this regime. A guy that was physical after the catch. Now, Garçon had a little bit more speed to his game, at least from what we've seen in the numbers that we know that Jennings had um, in the lead up to the draft that weren't overly great. But he is reminding me of Garçon a little bit after the catch where he kind of seeks that contact, almost like a, a, a he's not in this realm but as Niner fans, this is where it goes back to. T.O. sought contact, too. Like, he would outrun you if he could, but he would also go right through your arm tackles. You know, like, you couldn't arm tackle him once he had a head of steam. And that's what we've seen with Jennings. That doesn't mean he's going to be T.O. Uh, there's a lot more to it than after the catch. There's a lot of guys after the catch you can't arm tackle, but a wide receiver having that is a kind of a unique thing, and I want to see it in a real deal. You know, we only got a glimpse of it last game in his one catch, so I want to see it more. It's funny that you picked Jennings because I actually picked Ayuk. That's who I had down, but we both went wide receiver. And I think it's just because, as you've pointed out several times, the 49ers have not had a true bona fide superstar number one wide receiver since Terrell Owens retired, or I shouldn't say retired, left the 49ers. And that was 2003, Levin. That was <laughs> Finding Nemo was 2003. <laughs> so, like, that's how long it's been. And... It just, to me, it's a signal that, like, it's just largely been a struggle offensively for the 49ers. I feel like since Jeff Garcia left the team, to be honest with you, I know the Harbaugh years, they had some good offenses, but it never, it always felt hard, like, and difficult to move the ball downfield. There were so many drives, even with Kaepernick, 
where he would go three and out or the offense would do nothing. And then boom, he would explode for like a 40 yard gain and, and like a massive explosive play like that. But it was never like the consistent machine that they were with Steve Young in the 90s and obviously Montana in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, the the Kaepernick era or the Alex Smith, Kaepernick, Harbaugh era, whatever you want to call it, it was the Greg Roman era. <laughs> yeah. It, and that's why it didn't feel as dominated. I, I think they were a dominant offense because they were really hard to actually stop, but that's because they were a prodding, very methodical offense, you know, with the gore and a running quarterback. When you have a really good running back and a really good running quarterback, whether or not that quarterback can pass doesn't matter as much because you're going to move the ball pretty consistently because you can always convert. You know, if you run on first and second and you have a third and short, the quarterback can probably scramble for it if nobody's open. You know, and Kaepernick was actually pretty decent at passing. So they had an offense that that was very methodical and was very hard to stop, but they didn't put up a ton of points for a couple of reasons. One, they ate a lot of clock. The games went quick. And two, they struggled in the red zone. I mean, we know about Kaepernick's yes. struggles in the red zones. We saw it in the biggest of moments. And yeah. that is a thing that has still plagued Greg Roman in Baltimore. So a lot of it's on Greg Roman, but that led to a lot of field goals. Not very exciting, but in the end, they got wins doing it. Well, and to be honest, Shanahan's teams kind of struggle in the red zone too. And you're right. That's a huge factor in, in the feel of how you feel about your offense because you get down in the red zone and especially Shanahan, like they go down the field and then you get to the red zone and things just bog down and you're kicking field goals and it feels like failure. It feels so difficult to actually put the damn ball in the end zone that it, it's just, yeah, like you, you never feel comfortable. You never feel really good about your offense. So you went Jawan Jennings. I went Brandon Ayuk for sure. I, I want to see, I mean, he's been getting a ton of good press, universal from, from everybody, from the Niners beat writers, from Kyle Posey, from Jordan Elliott, everyone the Niners nation has had in camp. Like no one has a bad thing to say about Brandon Ayuk. And then of course, Saturday night comes, Trey Lance makes an awesome play, makes a throw on the run to Brandon Ayuk. And what does he do? Clang, he drops it. <laughs> so that was, I mean, that doesn't, undo all the good work he's done in training camp but it was just so frustrating because i wanted to see the car come out of the garage yeah that was frustrating uh i remember thinking in the moment that man you can't do that to a young quarterback he's trying yeah. to get his confidence going and you drop his first pass come on and then the drops continued from other receivers but you know that's a subject that's been covered quite a bit Richie james <laughs> but I, I think we should touch on the defense the reason mm -hmm. i didn't go with a defensive player there are players i'm excited to see but I'm not sure there's any players that I don't know what they are yet that are going to see the field all that much. A lot of the players that I'm excited about and think could turn into something are going to probably be backups this year. You know, a lot of the rookies and things like that. Like, am I excited to see Boza? Yes. But I also know what Boza is going to be. He's going to be dominant. You know what I mean? Like, so there's not quite as giddy excitement because I know what it's going to be. You're excited because he's going to be really good. But yeah, there's no mystery, you would right. think. Um, I did write, I wanted to give a little bit of love to Talanoa Hufanga. And this really has come in the last, I would say like the last couple practices before the first preseason game. And then in the actual game itself, he flashed a little bit. He was kind of all over the place making plays. He His hitting has been as advertised. The, the big thing coming out of the draft you heard about him was 
Really slow 40 time, but this dude can put the lumber on people, and he absolutely did. I thought he made a couple of big tackles. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a starting safety for this team, but he's going to play in spots, and he potentially could change the game with a big hit on somebody. And, and say what you want about Jimmy Ward and Jaquiski Tart, and I think Ward is really good, and supposedly he's been outstanding this camp as well. But they weren't game-changing safeties. Like, remember the Saints playoff game with Alex Smith in 2011? The Saints are driving early in the game, down the field. I think it was, I can't remember the running back. Pierre Tom? No, I, I can't remember who the running back was. But they get near the goal line, and I, I think it was Hitner, <laughs> Whitner, I should say, cracks him yeah. right at like the two-yard line. Talking about the helmet-to-helmet hit. Yes. The controversial not, hit. Controversial hit, but huge hit. He fumbled the ball. 49ers get it back. It was a huge momentum shift early in that game. The 49ers, that's not what Ward and Tart are, and that's not a knock on them. It's just a statement of fact. And Talanoa Hufanga looks like he might be somebody that in a certain spot can drop a big hit on you and potentially maybe change a game. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting at. Like, We're really excited. Like This preseason games that we still have to play, he's one of the most – one of the players I'm most excited to see, but it's preseason. We're not going to see him, I don't think, a whole lot when the season comes, and, and that's the issue. And speaking specifically of the safety spot, the Niners are suddenly loaded there. Like, you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago with all the positive press that's been coming from Tavon Wilson, which some of that has died down. I haven't heard good or bad about him much at all in the past week or two. But we talked about how he could be pushing – Tart for the starting position and when Tart comes back he might be finding himself not starting and you now you throw in Hufanga like they suddenly got really deep at the safety position and it's going to be interesting to see what they choose to do there because as we know Tart is a free agent to be and uh haha Clinton Dix has been getting some good love recently too which I when they signed him I was kind of like eh, okay you know he's a depth piece but but guy's a first-round pick. You know, he obviously has some talent, so it was nice to see him getting a little love there. Can I be honest? Yeah. He signed, days went by, and then I saw somebody, you know, talking about how he's only 28 years old. I was like, wait, what? There's no <laughs> way. He's like 38. Like, I literally I literally thought he was like, you know, 34, 35, pushing the end of his career. And I was like, how, how the heck is he only 28? And he didn't play last year at all. And to hear him tell it, it was a blessing in disguise because it really gave him a chance to heal up and get healthy. Now, again, you know, everyone in training camp is in the best shape of their life. That's, I mean, yeah. we just know that going in. D Ford benefited from the same thing last year, right? Right. So, you know, I'm not going to say that ha ha Clinton Dix is suddenly going to be a star, but good reports are good reports. And, you know, I, that's kind of why I'm so pumped up about these games because we get all these reports and we kind of have to take everybody's word for it. It's like, well, now they're playing preseason games and we can see for ourselves. Like, it's not a secret anymore. So I like to see which reports kind of hold up and which reports are just the typical bogus training camp puffery that we see every year. <laughs> puffery, yeah, that, that's one way to put it. Um, I, I'll just go ahead and say it. For the Niners, it's even harder. Because so many of their reporters are team friendly, to put it uh, nicely, and they're going to report what the team wants them to report. And so we get a lot of the same reports like you were hinting at. We don't get a lot of different angles, a lot of different you know opinions from here, here to there. A lot of it is um, pretty vanilla 
cookie cutter, like this guy did well, this guy didn't, here's your stats from practice. Whereas some of the other ones, like you would know from our, uh, you know, our buddies over with the Philadelphia Eagles, they're going to get a lot of criticism and they're like, you're going to know who's doing bad. You don't see many bad reports coming from Niners camp. So you don't know who's struggling. You don't see many things tweeted that make the team mad. And if you're not getting that, I feel like you're not getting the full story, which is part of the reason why I love that Kyle Posey is at training camp and Jordan Elliott. I want our guys there to tell us like the things that are not being tweeted out by the rest of the 49ers press corps, because there are a lot of them, especially when it comes to the quarterbacks. Not that I want to get bogged down in another quarterback discussion, but I'm just throwing that out there. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll try to answer question number two, which is the unit that we will be watching closest this weekend against the chargers back here on episode 51 of the gold standard podcast. We're going to answer the following question, which unit, Will we be watching closest in game number two of this preseason? Uh, I actually wrote down two. Um, I will give you honors. You are on the T, Levin. Where are you going first? I'm going to the DBs. You know, we just talked about them a little bit, but this is more specifically towards the cornerbacks because these guys actually are going to have uh, some roles that they're going to have to fill because unlike the safeties where essentially you play your two safeties unless – one of them is really tired because they just ran all the way down the field or one of them's hurt. Uh, the cornerbacks, you're going to be running five deep pretty much every game. Um, and, and so some of these young guys are going to have to step up and I, I want to see them more. I want to see Ambry Thomas. I want to see Lenore out there and see how they really do uh, in a game situation because like it or not, they're going to have to be counted on to some degree come regular season. And I, the Niners' corners are so banged up. It's so frustrating. I mean, now Emmanuel Mosley's missing practice. He's got a hamstring injury. Like, hamstring injuries for defensive backs, that's really not a good mix. Kind of an important muscle that you're going to have to be working with yeah, in your do, regular job. Go backpedaling, you know, run backwards. Right. And, and think about what you're feeling in your legs. You're pushing off your hamstring. Your, your hamstring is a very big part of you pushing off when you're running backwards. Yeah, and, and Mosley can't go. I don't think they – I think they keep Kwan in the slot because that's really where he is best suited to play. So that means who you're bringing up now is corner number three. Like, it's dicey, you know? I mean, I know Lenore had an interception the other night, but he was beat on the route, and the ball popped out of the receiver's hands, and he made a heads-up play to catch it. But, like, he got beat on the play. So, you know, it's not like he was a lockdown defender out there. So I agree with you. Like, we need – we need Thomas or Lenore or somebody to step up big time. I would say they're going to know in the next week or two whether or not they can count on any of these young guys. And if they don't feel like they can, the Niners will be running for one of the veterans that get, gets cut. That, that's what's going to happen. Somewhere a veteran's going to get cut that they know they can at least plug in and be somewhat accountable. So if these young guys aren't ready, I would expect the Niners to go out and find a veteran. It's interesting. Uh, Kyle Posey and Akash Anavarathan were talking about that on yesterday's uh, podcast, the Shanna plan. And what they, the question they brought up was if the Niners get off to a, you know, a hot start, maybe they're five and two, you know, six and oh, something like that. Do they kind of go the route they went in 2019 and trade for a veteran player at a position of need? Like in 2019, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders could this year be the year they trade for a veteran cornerback to once they see like, okay, this team is for real. We need to sort of put the cherry on this unit. 
I think that would be difficult. They don't have the draft picks. You know, they can't go out and trade all their mid-round picks and because they've already traded, uh, what, first and third or first and second. I'm drawing a blank right now, which it is. But, you know, I, I'll just throw it out there because it's completely flown under the radar. Nobody I have seen has brought him up since training camp started. But I think it could all turn with a single report. What if Richard Sherman comes out uh, and says, you know, I went to rehab, I'm good, good to go, and they need a veteran because they don't think they can count on on the young guys, and it ends up being Sherman returns out of, you know, that could literally happen any any day. It could suddenly be reported Sherman went to rehab, he's good to go, you know, the the charges from his things, they don't expect jail time, you know, all it takes is one good report, and that swings in terms of the perception, and I could see him returning. I could also, like I said, see them picking up a veteran off the scrap heap because there's always veterans that end up cut. I don't know the where Sherman is in terms of the legal system and how that's getting worked out or any of that. Um, but if you, like you said, if it gets resolved in a way that, you know, he allows him to still play football, I think it's very right. possible that Sherman could come back, especially if it was the middle of the year on a team that was really good. Like those are the Sherman's not going to come back to play for the lions this year. You know, like he's going to come back to play for a team that's in contention. So that would be, you know, an Avenue for the 49ers. Cause like you said, yeah, they're a little low on draft picks right now. Thanks to the uh, Trey Lance deal. Um, the unit I had for this week is I want to see the first team offense and you know, I don't good luck <laughs> whether it's Jimmy or Lance or whoever it is. Like, I don't know if people realize it. We only had two games last year where Jimmy Garoppolo, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle all played the full game. There was only two, and it was the Rams game and the Patriots game, and the 49ers outscored those two teams 57-22, to and that's Brandon Staley's number one defense in the league, and that's Bill Belichick's defense. Like, when this team can be together and be out there, I think they can be really, really good. Remember, in 2019, they were the second-highest scoring team in the league. The Ravens scored 30 points per game. I think the 49ers scored like 29.8 or 29.9. It was something they were like right below 30 points a game. So I want to see what they look like. And if Garoppolo's out there, like where is this new and improved Jimmy Garoppolo that we keep hearing about? Show him to me. Because the guy I saw out there last week looked exactly like the guy I saw in 2020 and exactly like the guy I saw in 2019. And remember... The 49ers haven't just said that Jimmy Garoppolo is a good player. They've gone out of their way this preseason to tell you that he is better. He's the best he's ever looked, that he's balling. He looks great. So let me see that guy because so far I hadn't seen him, Levin. I don't think you're going to see him in preseason. Shannon's not going to play the full first team offense. There's no reason to. There really isn't. Like I, I've been sitting here thinking – Ever since last preseason, you know, the first preseason game, if I'm Shanahan, I say Jimmy doesn't need to play. I know what I have in him. I'm giving Lance the whole first half and Sudfield the whole second half. And that's how it's going to be in preseason games two and three. Like, why why, why play Garoppolo? What, do you, what are you gaining out of that? Nothing. Throw Lance in there with the first team for a couple drives and then let him finish the half with the second team. Like, there's no reason to see the true first-team offense unless you think the true first-team offense is Lance at the helm. Well, I mean, you know I think it should be, <laughs> but there is no point to playing Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I don't think that he should even be on the team anymore, to be honest with you, but 
they keep telling me how good Jimmy looks. I, I want to see Jimmy give Jimmy the first quarter, give Lance the second quarter, and Sudfeld can have the whole second half. I don't care. You know, there you go, Nate. Enjoy. Enjoy your last two quarters with the 49ers. Um, but I mean, Jimmy's kind of a rhythm player. You know, I feel like he, Kyle Posey was saying on yesterday's show, the general sort of pattern that he's seen in training camp is that Trey Lance looks better early in the practice. And then at the end of the practice, Jimmy looks better than Lance. I think Jimmy's kind of a guy who kind of needs to get in a flow and get in a rhythm. I don't know that you necessarily want him just kind of coming out of the gate cold, so to speak. Remember how bad he looked in week one last year against Arizona? Well, don't forget, there was no preseason. There was no nothing because of COVID. And I think we saw that in week one. He needs to get sort of in the flow of stuff. So I think Kyle should play him at least a little while because Kyle has said that this second preseason game is the dress rehearsal. Yeah, but, I mean, a drive or two, is that really going to make the difference for him? Like, well, like, give him the quarter. That's why I said maybe he gets three drives in there. But then you're stunting Lance's growth. Lance needs time. I saw looking, I rewatched the preseason game. Lance definitely needs time. There were mistakes there that were rookie level mistakes that he needs to work on and he needs preseason because if he's not ready in week one, he's not going to get any more game action because once week one hits, if he's not the starter, he's not getting in the game except for designed runs, which isn't truly getting getting into the game because you're not going to analyze the defense. So now is his time. Well, that's fine then. Look, I'm not – if you want – if your argument is Lance is going to play, like, yes, please do that. But I just want to see the first-team offense in there because I want to see what this team can be. I, I'm tired of the 49ers being a defensive first team. Give me an offense – I don't know that you can win a Super Bowl as a defense first team anymore. I don't know if it's possible. I mean, I feel like Russell Wilson was really the last one. And if you want to say the Broncos with Peyton Manning – he was pretty bad in his final season, but I mean, he's still Peyton Manning and I still think he did a lot of stuff with audibles and whatnot, getting them into the right play offensively to let them function. But I think now you got to be an offense first team and it's about damn time. The 49ers with their brilliant offensive head coach became an offense first, first team. Who was the unit you want to watch most in the in game number two? Oh, you said the defensive backs. That's right. My bad. Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I let you go first. I'm, I'm um, really unforgettable. Apparently. But I, I was just going to cut in here and say, you're not going to see that offense, like in, not in preseason. Like, I understand you want to see the dominant offense, the offense that could be with the great receivers that they seem to have now, the weapons that they have that they didn't really have in 2019. You know, Debo was a rookie in 2019, and they didn't really have a true number one. I don't think in 2019 they had a receiver as good as Brandon Ayuk will be this year, put it that way. But you're not going to see it in preseason. Shanahan's not going to be running a real scheme in preseason. He's not going to be running a regular season level uh, system in the preseason. So you're not going to see it anyways. So like, I understand wanting to see it and chomping at the bit to see it because yeah, they did average 29.9 points per game, number two in the league in 2019. And they seem to be better on paper than that 2019 team offensively, but you're not going to see it in the preseason. Like you're going to have to wait. Here you go again. (laughs) Poo-pooing. Just raining on my parade. Thanks, Levin. Really appreciate it. All right. There was one more unit I wanted to see uh, that I'm really going to be watching closely, and it's the special teams. The 49ers special teams were hideously bad last year. They had the most giveaways on kick and punt returns in the league with four, 
And by the way, the biggest culprit there, Richie James, who had two of them, is still on the damn team for some reason and still getting opportunities. First point after touchdown of the season, Robbie Gold gets out there, clang, he misses it. He's made only 78% of his field goals the last two years. This special teams unit has big question marks, and they got to get their shit together, frankly, Levin, because it was killing the 49ers last year. They were starting in bad field position. They were missing field goals. Like, Shanahan's had the same special teams coordinator in Richard Hightower since 2017. Well, the heat is on, dick. Get it together. <laughs> but they were concerned, concerning with their performance in that week one preseason game. You know, Wisnowski didn't even have a very good punting game either. No. You know, he had that one punt that literally had almost no hang time. <laughs> he stinks. So, <laughs> so it is concerning. Uh, I don't know. Like, special teams is certainly more important than most people realize because special teams – affects field position in a much bigger way than people realize. And that affects points scored in a bigger way than most people realize. You know, when you're starting at, at your own 40 instead of your own 20, you really only need a couple first downs to be in field goal range instead of three or four. It's much easier to get, you know, one 20 yard completion than it is to get, you know, 40 yards to get into field goal position. So it is a big, big deal. And there are concerns there but I do think our coverage units are going to be really good because some of these young players that we've already talked about are showing and they did show in the special teams coverage units in the preseason game uh, that happened last week so I think coverage isn't a concern but I am concerned with gold like you've mentioned you know you you brought up a good point he's only made 78 percent of his field goals the last two years, which is well below average these days, and he is the oldest kicker in the league, so the wheels could literally fall off at any time. Like, he's at that age. And then you have the issues with the return game. Our return game is still very much a question mark, you know, to put it about as best as you possibly can, because you could also put it as our return game is complete shit still, because they haven't even figured out who's going to do it. That's the only reason why Richie James is still around. Well, he can return. Yeah, but he's not very good at it. Yeah, but he can, right. and nobody else can do it. Like, that's pretty much been the reason that he's on the on the team is, well, he can handle both return duties and nobody else can. How? Why? He stinks at it because he had one kick return for a touchdown two years ago. People think Richie James is really good at special teams. He's not. He's not good at anything. I wrote about it on Niners Nation, because I, and I think I stole the line from you, Levin. The most memorable thing about Richie James' career is the fact that he does a backflip after the team wins. That's it. That's all he does good. I hate to say it, but anytime Richie James' name got brought up on Saturday night, it was something bad that just happened. So I, I agree. I want to see the return game. I want to see Ayuk be the returner. I want to see the 49ers put the ball in their hands of their most dynamic players as much as possible. But, you, I mean, you mentioned the field position. It's especially important for the 49ers when they have a slower plotting offense that doesn't make any explosive plays. Because, like you said, that's one less first down you have to get. You know, that's one less series of plays where you have to go where no one can make a mistake. Because God knows the 49ers offense couldn't keep drives alive if there was a penalty or a negative play. They just basically folded up and went and packed it in. 
So those extra 10 yards you get on special teams, like you said, could be the difference between a field goal or a punt, or at least a field goal attempt. We don't know if it would go through the damn uprights with Robbie Gold, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it is a big deal. Like, your kicker leads your team in scoring every single year. That's why I get so annoyed with people who think kicking doesn't matter. He's literally your leading scorer. Kicking (laughs) matters. Kicking affects a game's results massively because it literally every single time the kicker is out there he's trying to score points like he's going to score three or he's going to score zero three points is a huge swing look at your vegas lines most of the vegas lines fall within you know three points so kicking is massive one missed field goal is a big deal you know you get two missed field goals you probably lost the game like there's not too many times your kicker can miss two field goals and you still win the game that's just two plays like it is a big deal I know we're early for preseason predictions, but I'm going to make a bold prediction. The 49ers will be looking for a new kicker by the middle of this season, and it's not going to be due to injury to Robbie Gold. I think that it's going to be an issue. I think this, the writing is on the wall. And then, Levin, we're going to be in this weird kicking wilderness where you're bringing in like dudes you, you didn't even know existed on the planet to try and figure out who the hell can kick the damn ball because there's – there's not 32 good kickers on the war in the world. And so it's just going to be this thing where now every time, you know, it's fourth down and they got to kick a field goal, you're sweating bullets. Cause you don't know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, I got a little bit more confidence in that. Yes. Gold's overall numbers aren't very good. And it's because he doesn't have distance anymore. He's old. He does not have the leg to hit 50 plus and they need to quit trying in all honesty, they should go for it, which I know you're a fan of because you hate when they don't go for it on, on right. fourth and short. But inside of about 45 yards, he is still one of the most accurate in the league. Even in the last two years, if I'm not mistaken, he is very accurate inside of 45 yards. So I'm less concerned. I don't think he'll get replaced. But it is concerning that he is up there in age. And like I said, the wheels could fall off. I'm just pretty confident they won't. Um, But that's not to say he's going to be one of the best kickers in the league. So he has missed six of his last eight kicks of 50 yards or more. So you're dead on with that. The leg is gone. Uh, 40-yard field goals in the last two years. He is 15 of 18. That's 83%. Uh, He hasn't really attempted a ton there. But you're right. If it leads the 49ers to go for it more on fourth down, I'm all for that. Like, amen, especially now with Trey Lance in the fold. Um, but I just, it's often overlooked. It definitely matters. I remember when David Akers at the end of his career with the 49ers, he was hideous also. And it was just like a constant source of frustration. Again, Levin, because it was so hard for the offense to score points. So you needed those three points when you trotted the kicker out there. And a lot of times it didn't happen. And I, I worry about it this year. And I hope I'm wrong. But I don't like where that is trending so far. So let's let's see the special teams go out on Sunday and have a good performance. I looked it up while you were talking. Gold was 17 of 19 last year from 49 yards or in. That is just under 90%. So he is still highly accurate from inside of 50 yards. It's just that he can't make the 50-plus anymore. He doesn't have the leg for it. Now that is something you should take into account and adjust for if you're Kyle Shanahan. If it's fourth and two and the option is to go for it or kick a 55-yard field goal, go for it. You're not going to make the 55-yard field goal. You know, even if it's 
51, 52 yards, I would probably still go for it. And if he's not the starter, I'd put Trey Lance in for it because a big bodied quarterback who can run can almost always get you a fourth and two. Like when you watch his scrambling quarterbacks games, you know, like if I watch a Baltimore game and it's fourth and short, I, I'm sitting there going, I, I have more confidence they're going to make it than they're not going to make it because all it takes is a tiny little crease and Lamar Jackson's off and he gets the two yards. You know, it, it always happens. It, it's the advantage of having a scrambling quarterback. So I, I would hope the Niners would go for it in the, that scenario. You need to adjust to what your kicker can do. Let me make it simple for you, Kyle, since I know he listens to the show <laughs> religiously every week. If it's fourth and two, go for it. It doesn't matter where it is on the field. Go for it. It's unbelievable. I feel like only certain teams have figured this out. The Ravens do it. The Chiefs do it. We even saw it in the preseason game last weekend. The Chiefs were going for it on fourth and short. It's ridiculous to punt on fourth. I would say like fourth and three, you should go for it every time. Like, what are we doing here? What would the other team want you to do? Would they want you to go for it or would they want you to punt? They want you to punt, of course. So why would you do what the other team wants you to do? It's never made sense to me. And I, I just feel like more and more the 49ers have to get with the program on this. The analytics actually back you up. I mean, you, you text me this every game. Every time they <laughs> yeah, don't go I for do. it, a fourth and short, you're like, why are they punting? You know, I get the emotional <laughs> rob during the game going off, you know. Saying the stuff that he can't say on Twitter. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I do send those texts. I actually have a keyboard shortcut in my phone. I just type WTF and it pops up. They should go for this. <laughs> so like, but the analytics do back it up. You know, I, I was reading about that 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. the, the analytics back up going forward on fourth down. You know, there was a high school coach. I remember reading in length the article about he goes forward on fourth down no matter what. Never, ever punts. He yep. doesn't have a punter on his team. Because the, the statistics say if you never punt, you are better off than punting some of the times. Like, it's a weird statistic. Uh, it goes much deeper into the analytics. But you actually have an advantage, a statistical advantage to not punting on fourth and short. You are better off game-wise. You know, when they, they break it down, they break it into points resulted in. You know, whether it goes negative because you didn't get it. And then the positive if you do get it. And the positive outweighs the negative. I think you have to have a little bit of common sense there. Don't go fourth and short on your own 30. I would. But, go, but as long as I think, it, as long as if you don't get it, the other team's not in field goal range, I would personally go for it if it's, I don't know where I would draw the line, fourth and two, fourth and three, but I would go for it a lot more than NFL coaches do. And the only reason why they don't is job security. Mm -hmm. If they punt it, nobody's going to fire them. If they go for it and they don't get it, they're going to get fired. Yep. That's a thousand percent right. And I, I admit that the 49ers, you're not going to get it every time. Some of the time, the 49ers are going to get stopped and the other team might have better field position than they would have had if you punted. I get it. But if you're supposed to be the offensive genius, you go for it when it's fourth and two. You draw up a play and you figure it out, especially for a team that has struggled in the red zone like you're going to trot out your kicker. No, just keep going for it. So I hope that that's one thing, at least that we see with Trey Lance that changes this year, but regardless special teams, I'm going to have my eye on them in game. Number two, I'm going to have my eye on frankly, Levin the next two days, Kyle Shanahan has said that the joint practices are more valuable to him than the games. 
So I am going to be glued to 49ers Twitter and to Niners Nation to find out what is happening at these practices. How much is Jimmy playing? How much is Lance playing? How does he look? How does Ayuk look against, you know, the defensive backs of, of the Chargers? How does the offensive line hold up against the Chargers pass rush? God help whoever's got to block Joey Bosa. Like, I want to I want to see the news that's coming out the next two days. Yes. Put it that way. Uh, I agree. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty simple. Yes. I want to. I'm excited. I want to see the same things. I want to see it covered objectively. I would like to see the negatives and the positives. Um, and hopefully nothing happens like what happened to the Rams in their joint practice with the Raiders where Matt Stafford threw four interceptions and now he's getting dragged through the mud on, on Twitter because he had a Jimmy Garoppolo practice. You know, we all Boy, remember Jimmy shame, Garoppolo. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be super, super disappointed if, if I'm right on Stafford and he ends up bombing. I'm not going to lie. I'll be like doubly, I'll be like conflicted because I, <laughs> I have said that I think he's going to have a monster year. Then to have to admit that you were right all along would, would pain me greatly, but it's worth it obviously to see the Rams struggle. Um, but like, it's just different when you're playing another actual team. And so let's see what happens. Let's see if Jimmy can get it going. And here's the other thing. I want to know what the chargers players are saying. Let me know what the chargers players think about Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. They don't, you know, I feel like a lot of the Niners guys have been very careful with what they say that it's been kind of down the middle because they don't want to cause a distraction, right? They don't want to get called into Shanahan's office and have him say, dude, what the hell are you doing? So they've been careful with it. The Chargers players don't care about that. They'll, they'll say whatever. So, like, I, I want to know. I hope that people ask them, what do you think of Trey Lance? What do you think of Jimmy Garoppolo? Ayuk? Anybody, really, because I think they'll give you an honest opinion. It's a good week to follow Chargers beat writers, put it that way, because um, they're going to give a, an opinion on Niners stuff or tell you, you know, if the Chargers are doing well, they want to talk about it. Well, then you're going to see who's not doing well with the 49ers. But I just thought of a good topic idea that I'm going to put you on the spot for. Oh, all right. Here we go. Who gets in the scuffle? Almost every time there's a fight that breaks out because somebody hit late or somebody went too hard. Who's it going to be? Who on the Niners is going to end up in a scuffle with a Chargers player? The Niners are a little feisty. There was a report uh, yesterday or two days ago, I should say, that McGlinchey and Warner were were getting into it because uh, I guess there was a hit. It was too hard on the running back, so McGlinchey was kind of sticking up for his guy. Um, I don't think it's going to be any of the stars. It might be Hufanga because I could, you know, he's got to go out there and impress. He's a later round draft pick, so he's kind of got something to prove. Those are the guys that are a lot less likely to care about another team's player in a joint practice. Like he might be thinking I got a flash here. So maybe he goes and lights somebody up. I could see that sort of igniting a brawl. I'm going to go with Jennings because I think I've read that he is a very ambitious blocker as a wide receiver. Uh And that happens to cause a lot of scuffles because cornerbacks do not care about stopping a run in practice. They barely (laughs) care about it in a game, you know? Um, And so they don't like to get blown up when they're just kind of standing around. And you have seen, especially young receivers in these joint practices or even their own team practices, a defensive back is just kind of standing around somewhat in the proximity of a run play that, you know, the guy might already be in the process of getting tackled. So it's kind of a late hit, but it's kind of not. It's Mm -hmm. kind of in that gray area and he just lights the DB up because he's not paying attention. (laughs) I could see Jennings doing that. 
And, you know, they say uh, that expression, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Well, the way to Kyle Shanahan's heart is to run block if you are a wide receiver. Like, if you want to stick around, block the hell out of whoever you have in front of you because Kyle loves it. That's how Dante Pettis got in the doghouse was that he didn't block down the field for dudes and Kyle was furious on the sideline. So that's a really good pick by you. you you're That's a better pick than me. I, I will admit it. That's a good call A lot of scuffles you. happen because a wide receiver is actually blocking in the run game. <laughs> you're totally right, by the way. I have heard coaches in the NFL say in their meetings, we're not blocking a cornerback. Cornerbacks can't tackle. Like It's just designed for the ball carrier to run through them or make them miss. Yeah. So – We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, you ruined my Dante Pettis joke, though, because I was going to totally make a joke saying you hear that Dante Pettis. Oh, wait, never mind. It's too late. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even. Does, does that guy still exist anymore? Is he still on the Giants? I have no I idea. I have only seen one report, and I haven't gone out of my way trying to look him up, but I saw one report earlier in the training camp that he wasn't doing well, Stunner. that he got buried on the depth chart. I think it might have been their preseason game or something that he barely played or something like that. Sorry, Dante. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, now is the perfect time. Smash that follow button on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We have a ton of good stuff coming up for you. I'm actually going to sit down uh, today and talk with Sean Salisbury. We're going to dive into Trey Lance, what he liked, what he didn't like. What is this magic process that people seem to think takes place when a quarterback sits behind a veteran starter? We're going to get into all of that. So it's the perfect time to follow. Thank you for listening, everybody. We always appreciate it. Levin, I will talk to you next week. Enjoy the game. And uh, is there anything else you want to leave the gentle listener with? <laughs> Just keep your fingers crossed. The Niners stay relatively unscathed injury-wise. Haven't had a big one drop yet. What? Why did you just say that? Like, what, what the hell are you crossed. doing? Keep your we, fingers crossed. We haven't had a big one. You're going to attempt the wrath of the thing from high atop to whatever. Sure, whatever. I don't get into the whole superstition thing. Oh, God. When it happens, prepare yourself for a text, my friend. You think game days are bad. You know, if I had an effect on the Niners, they would have won a Super Bowl sometime while I was watching. Because I wasn't watching the last one. Maybe you have had an effect. Maybe it's just been a negative effect all these years. It could be your fault. That is true. It could <laughs> be my fault. You, you are correct in that, that. I have been the unpaid member of the Niners holding them back. You know, I, I guess I, I am due some back pay. So, I Jed am, York, uh, get a hold of me. I'm ending this podcast before you say anything else to ruin the 2021 <laughs> season. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone.